episode 72 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 12th of September 2019. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Good evening. Graham. Hello. And Will. Hello. Yes, we've got a full house, but we're recording early. We're recording on the Thursday evening rather than the Monday. So do forgive us if anything happens between Thursday and Monday that we miss. We were going to talk about uh, home networking, but Amazon shit the bed and let you down, Phelim. They sure did. <laughs> so you don't have your router and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to postpone that. Hopefully that will be on the next one. Hopefully it's here tomorrow, but <laughs> I don't believe them. Okay, cool. Thankfully, a load of stuff has happened, so we can just talk about the news instead. And let's start with the excellent news that GNOME 3.34 has been released. Yay. <laughs> now, obviously, Graham and Phelium don't really care about this. Well, I care the fact that it's bumped KD Connor off the top slot, which is an absolute outrage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought we'd change it up this time around. Uh, but, Will, this is going to be in Ubuntu 19.10, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, ready to go. It should be in there. Well, as we as we record, it should be landing in there right now. So if you're running the daily images um, on the 13th, it should be there ready to play with. Excellent. And the big feature seems to be speed improvements. Have you noticed these speed improvements then? Yeah, definitely. Um so Daniel Van Voot on the desktop team at Canonical has been working hard on these um, in cooperation with upstream developers. Uh, and yeah, it's it's more and more um, improvements like the difference between 1804 and, and 1904. Um, you know, if you ran those two side by side, it was like night and day, in my opinion. Um, and this is yeah, yet more improvements of that nature, um, especially if you've got faster NVIDIA graphics cards. I think you'll really notice it straight away. Everything should be really smooth and um, and buttery, as they say. So is this going to be the 2004 release version of Gnome or will there be another one before that? To be determined at this point, um, we're going to meet next week in Paris to talk about those sorts of questions. Um, let's see how it goes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit early to say whether or not it's... Um, sufficient quality for the LTS already probably not but bug fixes will come but what will happen in the next version we don't know at this point so um, yeah in a couple of weeks I'll know for sure it's funny that there's a video a kind of promotional video that Gnome have made and one of the first things it says is that it's a modern animation centric desktop and I'm just like nah (laughs) no thanks I was going to say how great that video was. I think it's really brilliant when um, projects... So this is like an introducing GNOME 3.34 video, and it's really good to watch. You get a great impression of what's in this new release, better than a README, and it's only two minutes long. And the production quality on it is really great as well. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, I'm only joking that, like, you know, that animation thing puts me off. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, it is very slickly put together and and does very clearly show you what's new. Like, you can finally reorder... The, the kind of application icons mm. in the menu thing, which is uh, good. And you can even do your uh, Android-style <laughs> <Sorry>. folders. <laughs> Why, they've allowed you to customize something. <laughs> How gracious of them. <laughs> yeah, no, right. All right, then, give us all the KDA bollocks. <laughs> um, there's a new project out uh, at Academy there um, last weekend. I think it was last weekend, depending on when you listen to this. Maybe it's two weekends ago. It's, I'm very confused. Um, Kurogi, a application that is a ground station for drones. I don't have a drone. I wish I had a drone, but it looks really cool. Yeah, I saw this, but I didn't look into it too much. Is it compatible with like DJI drones and stuff? 
I, it's comparable with a few of them. Um, I, the guy who wrote it, he was saying that he had a one and turned out the, the later version, when his drone went crazy and didn't do what it was supposed to, he realized there was a later version that didn't seem to really work properly for him. So um, he decided that, well, could just write one that's generic. So I guess a lot of these things work off of phones anyway. So there must be kind of standard APIs that are there. Yeah, there are a couple. I think it, it supports a couple of specific devices. There are a couple of Parrot drones in there. And one of the neat features, because I happened to take, I actually installed it because it was really easy to install. And there's a really neat navigation feature as well where you can you see an open street map view. And if your drone's got a GPS, you can just prod your finger on, you know, say like Heathrow or something like that. And the, the thing will fly <laughs> off. <laughs> or Gatwick. I mean, yeah, there's no yeah. need to be uh, specific. Don't, don't give away my location. Yeah, that does look cool. And yeah, yet more innovation from KDE. Um, what's this about Kate, the text editor, and then wanting to make it more modern then? Yeah, so Kate has kind of suffered from the sort of, I don't know, resurgence of focused um, editors. Um, a lot of stuff where people aren't using a full IDE for development, but they're using things like um, Atom, Sublime, and Microsoft Visual Studio Code. Um, Kate has kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit in the fact that it doesn't have quite of the same features that have sort of come to those projects over the time. And they have decided that, you know, they tried to be integrated with KDevelop so they could share the same libraries and that they would then hopefully their whole plugin architecture would be more compatible. So if you wrote a plugin for one, it would kind of work in the other, but it didn't really work out that way. And a lot of plugins that went from the the version four to five kind of went by the wayside. Like there used to be a fair few of um, Python ones that I used to use. And they sort of never survived the upgrade at a certain point in the cycle uh, quite a while back. And yeah, they were handy. I mean, not the end of the world, but, you know, if you're going to use some of these and you want to be kind of competing with the likes of these ones that have gotten an awful lot better, then, you know, you kind of have to offer a similar feature set. So they've been working at Academy on a lot of these things, trying to improve, you know, patch integration, Git integration. And um, yeah, so things have obviously taken on and hopefully we'll see some results of that pretty soon. Uh, the One of the, the really good features is the LSP client, which is the language server processor. And that is things where, for instance, uh, Microsoft with Visual Studio Code wrote a processor for Python. So you can get things like hinting and suggestions, you know, it, it'll help with the debugging or as you're typing in the code, you know, language features for functions, whatever. And that is now a kind of a standard where you can have it as a separate third-party application almost where uh, your editor can talk to that directly. So that means that you don't have to try and integrate all of these things directly in your own editor where everybody's reinventing the wheel every time. So that's a big thing that's come as well. So hopefully we'll see some of that all tied together and with their their new stuff later on as well. So uh, fingers crossed. And I use this all the time, so I'm very happy to see this. All right. And what else is going on in KDE land then? Also, there is a great demo by Daniel Vertil uh, of the online accounts integration. Um, so I guess somebody said, oh, I wish we had online accounts too. And he, for a while, and many others went, no, that's silly and must be a right pain in the arse. And then tried it. And yeah, it was actually easy. And uh, there's a great video of the mock-up that he wrote. Um, it, well, it's a proof of concept rather than a mock-up. And um it looks pretty cool. And so I imagine we will be seeing that pretty soon, which is quite cool. 
Online counts seemed to stop working for me ages ago, and I've not actually revisited it. Um, back when telepathy used to support useful things like Telegram and and own cloud and next cloud and Google as well, but it's all seemed to break. Yeah, they went through a phase where all of those sort of instant messenger um, service providers decided that they didn't want an open API or you know a, a standard based API anymore. They wanted to be masters of their own um, their own world, and so they they sort of closed those APIs and stopped people being ab- able to access them, um, and yeah, cut off our la- access to a whole load of different things. And that's well, that's a long time ago now, but um, it never really recovered. But then since then, we've got things like Google Calendar integration, um, which does work really well. Um, And yes, you can get uh, notifications about meetings and things right in your desktop um, without having to, you know, leave your, I don't know, Google Calendar open in a web uh, tab or or something like that. And it works really nicely. Yeah, it's one of my slight gripes with KDE and the fact that they don't have the same amount of resources that the likes of GNOME would have because of the, the larger companies that are back behind it to do these kind of, well boring kind of features i guess they are because you know you're not really adding something amazingly exciting to it you're just making it useful and keeping up with somebody else's sort of uh try to stuff so yeah it'll be one of the things where i wish we had a bit more maybe somebody to do the donkey work perhaps but it's great to see this happen because uh i i haven't used them really much either probably because they were broken and uh it would be good to see it Okay, this episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. Go to do.co slash LNL and you can get $50 credit with 30 days to use it. DigitalOcean offers VMs or droplets, as they call them, in data centers all over the world with really fast network and really fast SSDs. And you can choose from one of the distros that they offer, like Ubuntu, Fedora, Debian, and CentOS, or FreeBSD, or you can use your own custom image. And you can take those distros and build them up exactly how you want. Remember, you've got complete root access to these. Or you can go for one of their one-click apps, like LAMP and LEMP stacks and WordPress, Discourse, GitLab. And these droplets start from as little as $5 a month, and they scale all the way up to huge amounts of RAM and huge numbers of CPU cores, so you can deploy exactly how much you need for the application that you're using. If you need more storage, they've got block storage and object storage, which is really easy to attach to your droplet and just get going straight away. They have cloud firewalls, so you can block network traffic before it even gets to your VM. Amazing backups, and a great Teams feature that allows multiple people to work on one droplet without having to share passwords. So go to do.co slash LNL, get your $50 credit, and get started. That's do.co slash LNL. Well, let's move on to some phone stuff, and there is actually a link to KDE with the first one. Pine64 have started to take orders for the Pine phone. And that will be able to run different operating systems, one of which will involve Plasma Mobile. So that should get you excited, Phelan. It does. Unfortunately, for us at least, it's only for developers at this point. You have to email them and tell them that you specifically want it for a purpose, and that is that you're working on one of these mobile operating systems that will run on it. Go on then, Graham. (laughs) K-album. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it actually looks really cool, doesn't it, this phone? Mm, yeah, I want this. I think this is my next phone, to be quite honest. All right, nice. Now, I do have something of a friendly relationship with Lucas from Pi64. He's a cool dude. He lives in London and uh, hopefully be going for drinks with him at the weekend. So I am somewhat biased here. But I've said it from the beginning, since way before I met him, that they do seem like a cool company. And how they go about things 
just seems really sort of straightforward and honest, doesn't it? Like they basically say, we're going to make this hardware and then it's up to the community to make the software. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going absolutely nowhere with this. I'm just saying, you know, like like with the, the Pinebook Pro as well, which um, is coming fairly soon and I'm hoping to get my hands on one of, it's not being sold as this finished product for the masses. It's for developers, hackers, tinkerers, people who want to, I don't know, like people who like to mess with computers, as Leo would say. You know, it's it's not supposed to be this mass market device. And I, I really admire the way they're going about things. Um, <laughs> completely unrelated to that, <laughs> Purism <laughs> announced the, uh, the Librem 5 shipping dates. Is it meant to rattle? <laughs> So a bit of background on this. Originally, they did a crowdfunder, Kickstarter-style, but hosted by themselves, and raised like a couple of million, I think. And they said they were going to ship these phones in January of 2019. Then that slipped a bit, <laughs> and then they said it was going to be in Q3 of this year, which means that they have until the end of September, because that's when Q3 ends. And so... Over the last week or so, they posted this this update saying that they were going to be starting to ship them at the end, I think at the 24th of September, but they were going to ship them in different batches. And the batches, I don't know, man, like the first one, they say that it's going to have an individually milled case, loose fit, varying alignment, and unfinished switch caps that are handcrafted. And that the software on it um, software updates from the PureOS store via the terminal. I think I think you need to go back to the paragraph just before it talks about the batches where it says, if you haven't placed your order, uh, the sooner you order, the earlier the shipping batch will be added into. So it's kind of like an eBay auction where you're trying to be the last person to click up so you win and get into the last fucking batch where you might end up with a phone that isn't fucking rattling around inside its milled fucking case it seems very strange doesn't it that they promised that it was going to be this you know iphone competitor almost um and you know i've held in my hand a, a mock-up of the pine phone right and it feels um i think i said this before it's very much like my oneplus 3t in its case so like if you take the the 3t in a case and put it next to the pine phone with no case they're roughly similar thickness which is quite impressive what kind of case have you got <laughs> my case is pretty big i've got a fairly slim ish like silicon type case oh, nothing okay, right. too too fancy whereas have you seen the photos of the Lieberman 5 if it was a cat, it would be called a heckin' chonker. It is fucking <laughs> thick with three C's. Oh, yeah. It is big and just does not look good to me. It looks like just a big brick, basically. And I'm just very disappointed with this. The, the bottom line is, if you want something that they basically promised, then you're looking at Q2 of 2020. So, you know, knocking on for a year. And that's when you get um, all hardware, molded case, proper LTS software. I mean, the one before that, uh, you know, maybe. So that's like January to March of next year. It's. It, I just don't think that shipping something that is loose fit counts as shipping your pre-orders. Unless it's trousers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we all like loose fit trousers, obviously. But... I don't know. What, what do you all think about this? Like, do, do you not think this is a fucking embarrassment? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's utterly bizarre way of shipping a product and trying to build trust in a product. I mean, it's also so unclear. And while at the same time, there's kind of news speak at the beginning about um, they want transparency and they want to be able to show, you know, this this is all about, in the interest of openness and transparency, we're publishing full detailed iterative shipping schedule. And yet it doesn't say how many units are in each batch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really say why this is necessary other than, you know, we're going to close up Parliament and we'll be back in five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is impressive. How many minutes is that, Joe? <laughs> I think that's a record, isn't yeah, it? I think so too. Well, yeah, in a, in a similar vein, and you know, I think this will do more damage to Boris Johnson, sorry, more damage <laughs> to Libram doing it in this way than it would have been to you know just fess up and say, no, they're not good enough yet. I think shipping a bad product is just going to generate a whole load of bad press for them, um, and this won't end well. Yeah, I mean, imagine that first one, the loose fit one, if that goes to MKBHD or whatever, one of the big YouTube channels, like, can you imagine what they they just say, like, is this a fucking joke? Mm. You know, like with half finished software that uses a fucking terminal to do any sort of updates, you know. And and also, there's no transparency with regards to the, the openness of the software as well, because they, they said that it was going to be completely free software minus the um, the radio, which, you know, for regulatory reasons can't be open, but they were going to have uh, kill switches for it. But there's still some question marks about, like, getting the HDMI out to work, for example, whether that's possible without a blob, and even potentially the boot. Um, you know, and you have to kind of go digging to find the stuff. They don't put it front and center. Uh, so, yeah, Newspeak is uh, a pretty good way to put it, really, I think, with this announcement. And, you know, we've had Todd on the show the CEO of Purism, um, he came on, on well, recorded with me on Valentine's Day the last two years, and I said that he was welcome to come back this Valentine's Day, and we'll have to see what they've actually shipped because, you know, they've, they've made promises before. I mean, they, they promised to ship the dev kits by the end of last year, and they shipped them in late December, I think, and the fucking screens didn't work. They had to be flashed with this one-time programming thing. It, uh, I just don't understand, like, it, it's just such a contrast with Pine64. You, you know, it, it, they just, it's almost like diametrically opposed. The, the Pine phone is fairly low spec and low price, $150. Whereas the Librem 5, I mean, it's not even particularly high spec. And okay, it's it's aimed to be more free software friendly, but that's like six, seven hundred dollars, like for something that is ultimately going to be disappointing to to all but the the most hardcore free software zealots, really. Like the Pine Phone to me seems like it's a far better option because there's already five talked about, like not sort of hacked on fucking XDA forms or whatever. It's actual proper five distros that you could get on there right now. And they talk about, oh, yeah, you can use these things. It's like a proper computer where you would say, yeah, we make the hardware and stick your own distro on it, do whatever you want sort of thing. And that's the way it should be. Well, I mean, it's going to be that way to some extent with the Leibman 5. You know, it is going to be hackable, but they just don't seem to have fostered the same community because they've said they're going to do the whole thing themselves. They're going to make this finished product that's based on pure OS and it's going to have convergence to their desktop. 
Um, I mean, that's something we didn't mention with um, the GNOME 3.34 release, that one of the things in that is um, like adaptive design or whatever, so that, um, you know, the settings, if you resize the the window, it kind of looks more mobile-friendly or whatever. And, you know, some of that stuff has come from purism. You know, they have been upstreaming as much as they possibly can. But there's just that contrast there. Like, they're just saying, we're going to do everything. It's going to be amazing. Rather than just saying, hey, we'll make hardware have at it with um, Pi64. Pulled a, an inverse Scotty on us. They uh, estimated far too short and did too little. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, like, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. I mean, that, that does feel like what, what they've done there. So, yeah, disappointing, really. Pretty disappointing. But, oh, well. Um, quick follow-up from last time, then. Uh, we talked about the Fairphone 3. Well, iFixit have given it a perfect 10 for repairability because everything's modular. There's no glue. They even include a fucking screwdriver in the box with it. So, yeah, it's pretty... Um, Pretty impressive stuff from Fairphone. Well done. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. And they are a Linux-based computer seller based here in the UK. And they ship computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate 1804 and 1810. And they've got a huge range of laptops, from affordable ones that are good for browsing and email and office tasks, all the way up to huge powerhouses with even desktop components in them that you can do gaming, graphic design, 3D art, video editing, machine learning, all sorts. They've also got some desktops and servers, and almost everything's configurable, so you can tweak it to be exactly what you want. And if you can't find something that's exactly right for your needs, then do get in contact with them, and they can sort you out a custom order. They're very approachable and great at communicating. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, And if you do buy one of the machines, then at checkout, there's a little drop down. You can select late night Linux and they'll know that we sent you to them. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then. And thank you everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. It's very much appreciated. You can go to latenightlinux.com slash support if you want to find out about the ways to do that. And remember that on Patreon, if you pay $5 or more per month, you can get an RSS feed with no adverts in it. And you can go to latenightlinux.com slash contact for ways to get in touch with us. And we keep mentioning OGCAMP, which is going to be the 19th and 20th of October 2019, and how Graham is maybe going to come but hasn't booked a hotel yet. You see, now this has become a bit of an ongoing kind of Netflix drama. I'm not going to say. I'm going to keep it going to the last minute and see if... (laughs) Fair enough. Is it legal for you to be in Manchester? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, it's before Brexit, it's fine. Um, So, this year, uh, the panel, the podcast panel, which is kind of the last thing on Saturday, is going to be chaired by me, and it's going to have Dr. Laura of Ubuntu Podcast fame. Hiya. (laughs) Hiya. (laughs) Josh Lowe from All About Code. Caroline Keep, who's heavily involved in education, and Dan Lynch of, well, OGCAMP fame, Linux Outlaws, that sort of thing. And the content is hopefully going to be made up of your questions. Ooh. So I will put a link in the show notes to uh, a Google form, which uh, is pretty basic. You just put your question. It can be Linux and FOSS related um, or, or not. It's just kind of an AMA. So, um, yeah, put your questions in there. 
you can be anonymous if you want. And um, yeah, we'll pick some of the best questions and answer them. I'm hoping to get this on the Old Camp website soon, but everyone's really busy. But uh, yeah, you can be the first to ask your questions. There is an email address as well, which is panel at oldcamp.org, which gets forwarded to me. So yeah, ask your questions and some of them will get on the podcast, which we'll record and I think I'm going to release as part of Jupiter Extras at work. So uh, yeah, look out for that. More details coming soon, but it is coming up very soon, isn't it? This uh, old camp. It feels like it. <laughs> I can't believe that you uh, haven't got your hotel sorted. I'm not, I don't believe you that there's any sort of question. You're just too useless to get it organized. Admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think they're still looking for crew as well. So uh, yeah, go to oddcamp.org and find out about that there. Um, all right, well, uh, let's let's move on to a, a much more exciting release, and that's Mumble 1.3. Well, I mean, I put this in, but I mean, the last release of Mumble was January 2017, and this one has, what, 3,000 fucking fixes and features, for fuck's sake. They were busy, but just, you know, not releasing early and not releasing often. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a while, shall we say. Uh, but it does look pretty cool. Like mm. they've they've improved quite a lot of the features and like individual volumes and stuff. Um, Dark themes. Yeah, we should probably look into um, sorting this out because we're talking over Mumble now, of course. I am running version one point three. Ooh, get you. Well, tell us about it. Thanks to the glory of snaps. Oh god, here we go. <laughs> uh, well, I, I loaded it and it loaded and it looks different and it's got pretty colours and it works and that's as far as I went. I think it's pretty interesting that all of the screenshots here are running on Windows. I suppose that reflects the reality that most people who use a computer use Windows. But I, I always see it as like a Linuxy thing. I think it's used quite a bit in gaming, isn't it? Mm. So there'll be people using it to chat with uh, their online friends. Yeah. They do mention podcasts, though, in this release. The thing that I, I was really interested about, I think I read this and I haven't tried it, is that so we can all record our audio separately into Mumble, but now it can sync so that I guess it's a timestamp or something. So the audio we record is hopefully in sync with one another. It'd be really interesting to take a look at those files and see if we could drop them into a multi-track audio editor and whether they stay mm. in sync and what's the quality, because that would be really interesting. Because that sounds like a new way of making podcasts that we don't can't do currently, and also there's a huge lack of anything, any kind of online multi-track audio collaboration. There's nothing out there. Surely you've not seen Jakosher then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if they've cracked that technology, a bit nice, nice to test it out and see if you can use it for other things like jamming together. It'd be cool. Yeah, well, it is very low latency, so maybe. All right, another release, Firefox 69, and this is all about the uh, privacy stuff, the blocking of third-party cookies and um, blocking of crypto miners and stuff. Who are misses? What? I, I don't get that. <laughs> Firefox 69, for the love of God, it's there in the numbers. Oh, 69, oh, dude. Right with you. <laughs> yes, okay. Anyway, let's gloss over that. Uh, I've been using it for... A week or so, and haven't noticed much difference, sort of day to day. 
Yeah, I did all of those blocking things back in 68 when they said you could try these if you want, but they're going to be the default. So I said, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it now anyway. If a site breaks and it won't let me search it, then fuck that site. I'm not going to it. So that's that's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, so many sites now break for me. I wouldn't know the difference. Wouldn't know which, <laughs> what's responsible for it? Pie hole, Firefox, or just the site itself? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this is just a, a war of attrition, though, isn't it? Because these people are going to come back, the, the, the tracking cookie people are going to come back with a way to get around it and then Firefox and have to work around that and so on and so on. So is it worth it? Well, the IAB, the Internet Advertising Bureau, they want to uh, assign every single person a unique mm. like ID number and have that be tracked around rather than cookies because they think that is an excellent idea. <laughs> <laughs> shower bastards. <laughs> yes, shower bastards. So, um, Yes, there is very much an arms race here, but you know you can't just give up, can you? No, you know you have to keep fighting to uh, keep us in the EU. I mean, to uh, <laughs> not have uh, adverts and uh, you know tracking. I mean, adverts per se are not a problem, but it's just the the tracking of it. Like we said last time, you know, just make the fucking adverts relevant to the content. Mm. Yeah, I mean it. A home example for me, whenever, the only time I watch TV or catch up for RT, which is the national broadcaster here, is I watch the rugby. And the problem is I can't use their player unless I use Chromium because I barely use that for anything, but it's my, I don't have any blocking stuff activated. Now, I don't have an ad blocker, but I do have Privacy Badger and uh, HTTPS everywhere. But it it marks me as having a, an ad blocker and then won't play me the ads. The ads which I'd watch anyway, just they play me fucking ads in the video repeatedly, and I don't see why I can't watch those without having to like give away everything to some God knows what fucking network of um, trackers that they've got on the go. And that type of shit just needs to stop. It really does. Yeah. Well, Firefox and Mozilla fighting the good fight. Um, they've also launched their VPN that was long rumored, and this is part of the test pilot program, and it's free for now. Um, which heavily implies that you will be paying for it soon. But yeah, you can check it out. I don't really have the need for an in-browser VPN, but uh, interesting nonetheless that this is a potential revenue stream for them. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there is a free tier. A lot of the other VPN providers are offering something either at uh, speed limited or the amount of data limited. But I found those incredibly handy a few times where I've been in a, a hotel on an unencrypted Wi-Fi network um, and just don't feel comfortable using it. And neither do I have access to a sort of paid for VPN and I just want to check a couple of mails. So I think that there is a market for for just the ability to get online temporarily get some security uh, assured by somebody like Firefox so you know that they're going to do it properly um, just to yeah, check a few mails or something. Watch a video, yeah. Well, yeah, watch a video, download some JPEGs. <laughs> <laughs> Fan fiction. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Python 2 is finally going to die at the end of the year then. Well, that's fine by me because I have no Python 2 code at all <laughs> and it's all grand. <laughs> The worst thing about this, right, is that I need to learn what the equivalent in Python 3 of the simple HTTP server is. Um, and I always forget it and always have to look it up because with Python 2, it's, uh, well, for me, it's just control R and then start typing Python because I use it all the time. And I can't remember what it is. There's no need to write in and tell me because I, I have used it before and I know how to search for it. But 
Yeah, that's going to be annoying for me. Sunsetting means sunsetting, Joe. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, well, you know, it's been around for a little while, hasn't it? 20 years. Disturbingly so. And the worst part is, I, a long time ago, said, yeah, I should definitely make sure all my stuff is ported over. And then you just go and do work and get stuff done. And uh, yeah, you know, fully understand what having a no-deal Brexit and not being prepared for it is like. (laughs) (laughs) So, Will, you must be preparing to rip this out of Ubuntu then. Yeah, it's all gone. Um, The last couple of packages that were, uh, depending on Python 2, have been ported to Python 3. uh, And this should be it. And we've been talking about it for a long, long, long time, trying to get rid of it. Um, But there's always, you know, another package here and another package there that depends on it. But uh, this is it this time. It's uh, it's ready to go. Does that mean that you won't have to run Python 3 and then blah, blah, blah? I assume so, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, 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 I think that would be the case. Oh, that's good. Right, uh, Manjaro have formed a company and uh, are getting serious, which is good. So, yeah, this is interesting. And it looks like it's going to be a company with kind of commercial ambition. Yeah, potentially OEM deals and merch and stuff, which is good for them, I think. There's no reason why you can't make money from free software. Absolutely. And also, it's a sign of Manjaro's success. I mean, it's, you know, going from its roots of, you know, a slightly friendlier um, arch um, you know, to being a distro that loads of people love to use and is a great distribution. It's, you know, it's a great accomplishment and they've been doing it on their own time and they've been doing it on a voluntary basis. Yeah, now you've got two really good options with um, Endeavor OS and Manjaro, um, each offering slightly different experiences. Um, but yeah, Manjaro is, um, I think I've said a few times, if Ubuntu just disappeared or Ubuntu disappeared overnight, then I would seriously consider going over to Manjaro. So it's good that this is obviously a sign of health of the project. So well done to them. Congrats. Um, Something I've put in as Brexit bastards want our data. So this is actually a BuzzFeed article. Don't link to them very often. Um, But it basically boils down to, on the gov.uk site, which is for people outside of the UK, uh, it's like anything that has to do with taxes or just anything that involves um, the government, you know, interacting with them. You have to use a gov.uk site. And um, Cummings wants to fucking track all the data from it. And, you know, it's not like he's got any history of abusing data that he's tracked or anything. The bastard. If you haven't done anything wrong, Joe, you have nothing to fear. (laughs) (laughs) Does it mean that I have to fire up fucking tails to do my taxes from now on? What's not clear from this article, well, at least my my reading of it, it was exactly what data it is that they're looking to gather. Are they going to be sharing, like, tracking cookies here? Is that what they're going after? Well, that's the thing. As usual with this government, it's fucking not transparent, is it? We have no clue. All we know is that it's nefarious and he's up to no good. All I know is you should use Firefox 69 mm. while you do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And just turn it on to, you know, privacy to the max. Didn't Google say that that was just impossible to do? Oh, you're right. We should all give up. <laughs> so, yeah. Fun fact. Someone who I know who will remain very much anonymous, um, New Cummings, many years ago and said he was a complete bastard so uh that's a huge surprise there isn't it (laughs) (laughs) you should sell that story to a paper (laughs) i should do really anyway uh so windows has gained a major desktop linux feature they've only got a tiling window manager now cool (laughs) 
<laughs> no, so that's it. You're switching now, Joe, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm switching full-time Windows Windows 10 with uh, Fancy Zones, <laughs> the, uh, the actual window manager. It's an excellent name. Yeah. I think we should all uh, switch to Windows and install it now. I see you're trying to use a tiling window manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's only like what? How, how, when did we get our first tiling window manager? That must have been pretty early on. Oh, careful now. Some fucker from Rat Poison will write in or God knows what. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be 20 plus years, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> nice one, Microsoft and Windows team. Yeah, it is um, open source, though. So, you know, <laughs> a bit of a win there. I could actually see people using it. You know, people who are used to a tiling window manager and forced to use Windows for work or whatever. I'm surprised actually it's come to Windows before it's come to Mac OS because I'd have thought it was more aligned with um, at some certain kind of Apple users anyway, people who maybe transition from Linux and back again. And the last time I looked, I, I used to use something called Spectacle. It at least, at least gave you some control over window positioning. There's just nothing like a window manager on Mac OS. I mean, a tiling window manager. Yeah. Windows definitely going after the developer market now. They're adding features like this, and you've got WSL, which is allowing you to run you know, a Linux command line on your desktop. Yeah, no thanks to you lot, helping them out with that, you bastards. It's a good way of getting Ubuntu in front of a lot of people. It's, this is good for Linux. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think they, I've, they, they've seen, uh, they've seen the, the market is there, and they've gone after it at full speed, and they are killing it, in my opinion. It makes me sad. Ah, well, let's hope Will's right and it actually does put Ubuntu and Linux in front of people and maybe they'll realise that actually it's quite good. You're you're always the optimist, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Right, well, I suppose we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back in a couple of weeks when we might be talking about home networking stuff. Who knows? But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.